Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry and powered by Schedulicity. Without further ado, should we do? Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. What if payment looked this good? And your tips looked even better. Better yet, what if you could do it all by phone? Norm, payment by text for small businesses. Barbers, stylists, massage therapists, facialists, you name it. Available now for everyone on Schedulicity. Norm, the modern way to pay. Sitting with my best friend Tony. What's up, buddy? What's happening, brother? Hey, yeah, so I, I guess we got to address the elephant in the room. All that noise in the background you hear is from Barbican. So thank you very much for Barbican for having us out. Barbican Austin. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Lee Resnick, for uh, allowing us uh, and Schedulicity for bringing us up to uh, be able to do what we do. That's it. And thanks, Schedulicity, because we're actually sitting in their booth, which I love like being able to do podcasts right on the floor because it's the energy of the floor that, 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 that pushes us. Oh, 100%. And you can just feel it, see it. And I think what's different about uh, a, a barber event versus, you know, just a regular uh, hair show is that there's just a, just a lot of, like, kind of, like, swag in, in the room. People walking around with a little chip on the shoulder. Like, you know, not, not that they have something to prove, but they just, like, they feel it. I mean, barbers are a different energy, right? Yeah. Than, 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 like, a, than like, a hair show. And, um, and the energy at our table today is pretty badass, too. We got some badass energy today. So, uh, gosh, I guess we met, I think the first time I met uh, our, our guest today was two years ago at Barbican in New York. I think it was the first time. She may correct me. But, um, but dude, you know, there's people in this industry that, uh, that give back. There's people in this industry that are making a difference. And, and, and our guest today is certainly one of those. Yeah, and she's breaking all the stereotypes, all the stigmas that uh, with bar comes with barbering and stuff like that. Especially, you know, today when like 50% of all new barbers are female, right? So, well, well that's an actual stat. Well, she said it was. I, I was reading an article that she did, and uh, it was pretty amazing how how much women impact a so-called in the like a stigma man world right and so we're going to get into these stories and stuff and she's very opinionated on it but i i she's badass dude bro this yeah, conversation let's, let's talking. this conversation can go anywhere uh, well let's get it to go somewhere right yeah <laughs> so today our guest is uh, cassie kurtz um you can follow cassie kurt oh boy she's got a bunch of uh, different actually you know she's going to do all that um, she's got a bunch of different Instagrams. I'm going to mess them all up. So, uh, with the, in, in fear of like messing it up for. Her. Um, so, Cassie on the podcast. Like I said, we met a couple years ago. Um, she's a uh, she's a huge schedulicity advocate, and um, we uh, actually I'm sure that I met her through Jerry a couple years ago. But um, but dude, I just want to get into her story. Yeah, dude, let's do it. Should we do it, Miss Cassie Kurtz? Welcome to your day off. Hey there, guys. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm great, but I don't think it's my day off. <laughs> it's <Barbara Khan>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're actually one of the uh, the hosts this year. Yeah, you and uh, you and Patty, right? Uh, we're not hosts, but we are educating on the main stage, so that's really exciting. Uh, Sophie Stagold is one of the hosts uh, this year, so she's gonna kill it. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, and we'll get into it later. But all three females that represent the industry the way the industry should be represented. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 100%. No, 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 no. We appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. So Thanks before we you. dive into your story, where are you from? Where you grew up? So I grew up in the most beautiful, exotic place of northwestern New Jersey, <laughs> where malls are uh, plentiful and Applebee's are, you know, on every corner. Uh, but I live in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. I work in Midtown Manhattan. I have been living in New York for the last decade, uh, almost 11 years. And I'm very thankful to say that, uh, that I left behind all those Applebee's many moons ago. 
I have my studio, Beyond the Beard, uh, right on 59th Street across from Bloomingdale's. So it's an amazing area to work in. It's a private studio, um, you know, in a salon suite like the. We're going to get. A, we're going to get to all that. We're yeah. going to get. You're, you're, you're jumping way ahead Sorry. of us, girl. Is all your family still back in Jersey? Uh, well, some of them, yeah. You know, some of them moved to Florida. God's waiting room. Right. All good Jews from New York go to Florida. Uh, some of them are upstate. Uh, yeah. So, New York, New Jersey, mostly with a sprinkle of Florida in there. Gotcha. <laughs> Do you get to go back and visit everybody, or is it does it bring back memories when you go back? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I go to Jersey sometimes. I mostly try to avoid people and chug my double vodka cranberry in the local bar before anybody recognizes me. <laughs> Stop it. What? <laughs> That's awesome. So if you're in West Jersey and you see her, you know, uh, she's visiting family or something. If you see someone with a baseball hat on chugging vodka way too fast, you know it's me. That sounds like everybody in New Jersey, by the way. It is. So. That's the idea. Oh, my God. That's silly. So what brought you into the business? How did you get into the barbering world? Woof. Um, oh, my gosh. So October will be nine years since I started barber school. But my journey to becoming a barber was anything but planned or um, even a thought in my mind. I was actually a ballerina for 16 years. I was coming up on my first season and I injured myself pretty badly. So I was like, well, I'm not going to college. I'll drop out, I'll waste your money. And I became a makeup artist. Yeah, you weren't expecting that because no. you thought I was going to say barber. Um, became a makeup artist, really enjoyed it, but realized my specialty was in men's grooming on set. And on set, they have you show up and you have a guy with like hair as long as, you know, to his shoulders and they want him to have this perfect skin fade. I didn't know anything about cutting hair. What am I supposed to do with that? I do makeup. I make people pretty. But how do, but so why was there an expectation that you could do it? Um, because producers love the idea of paying people for multiple jobs, but right. not paying them for multiple jobs, if that makes sense. Uh, they just assume, because I think there's a lack of awareness from the production aspect, uh, depending on the producer, of course, that just because you do men's grooming doesn't necessarily mean you're a barber. And just because you do makeup doesn't necessarily mean you can do men's grooming. You might make a guy look really beautiful with perfect eyeliner, but that might not be what they're going for. Right. So um, right before Hurricane Sandy, uh, nine years ago, I was with my then boyfriend, and I just was in a cigar lounge with him, and I saw the barber, and I was like, that's really cool. I'd really like to learn the basics and apply that to my freelance career. To which my soon thereafter ex-boyfriend said, uh, women don't become barbers. They become at most hairstylists in salons. And Whoa. I am a stubborn ass, so the moment you tell me I can't do something. For those listening at home, you should have seen how her face changed <laughs> when right. she said that. Like, like, like there was intent. There was intent in those I, eyes. I got man. a little nervous. <laughs> I got a lot nervous. You know? Fun fact, fast forward, uh, about a few years ago, he reaches out to me on Facebook, says, I hope you've been well. You know, the usual uh, Facebook message you get from somebody you haven't talked to in forever. And he told me that his barber retired, and he was really hoping I could no. cut his hair. No. Yeah, that was fun. And I uh, charged him the full amount and uh, continued to cut his hair for another year and a half until he moved away. Wow. <laughs> There's a little bit of uh, vengeance in there, isn't there? That's, that's pretty dope. <laughs> that's pretty Good dope. for you. Thank for you. Real. So that was a... That was how I became a barber. I just stumbled across it, and I really thought it was going to be temporary. I really thought it was just going to benefit the career I already had. And it ended up being this happy mess of a start to almost a decade wow. behind the chair. I think this is the first time uh, we actually got received a barber through a cigar lounge. I think, I think you're absolutely correct. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who says good things don't happen at Cigar Lounge? I don't even smoke. I was just there to hang out and people watch. It's my favorite thing to do. So, and it's, it's, I saw the barber. 
and he was actually doing work in the cigar lounge? Yeah, so they had a shoe shine uh, chair, they had the barber chair. And oh, so they, this is a, like a permanent installation. It wasn't mm -hmm. like yeah. something that was going on. Wow. No, uh, there's some really popular magazine, cigar magazine, I can't think of the name, but they have or had, I'm not sure if it's still around, um, a lounge. And so they had like a whole atrium in the back, like you could like, you just had like a whole skylight above you. It was a beautiful, beautiful space. And that's why I enjoyed going there, even though I don't smoke. So wow. my ex did. So I just went with him and I just, the client looked so happy when he got out of the chair. I was like, that's really impactful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So how, even though your, your, your ex challenged you. Yeah. But like, you know, we hear, you know, women's stories about trying to, you know, there's a stigma with barbering. Mm -hmm. So when you were entering the barbering world, did you face any of that? Was there any challenges of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, in barber school, uh, obviously people can't see, I guess, but I am currently wearing a dress. I showed up in sweatpants, jeans, t-shirt, I mean, you're going to get covered in hair, right? Mm -hmm. And I was still treated like I was there for somebody else's amusement. I was not treated like I was there for my own education. Like, I paid for that tuition myself. When I graduated, I Hold had no, 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 no. We're going to slow down. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, like, like I want to dive into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. So what, what do you mean, like... I mean, I get the sense that they weren't taking you serious, but, like, what, what what were some incidences that actually happened? I mean, so in a barber school, it depends on the school, but back when I went, we were only charging $3 for a haircut, and you had to sign a release form, right? And the money went to the school. Maybe somebody would take it. I, you would have people sign in, and the people who did opt to sit in my chair wildly underestimated me um, and would say so at the end, which was always really uh, satisfying, of course. But there were people who used to walk in and try to skip over me. And I was very lucky to have a teacher who, um, his name was is Dave, and when people would try to skip over me, he would say, no, you either get a haircut from her or you get a haircut from nobody, and I'm not refunding you. Like, he was probably one of my first advocates. But even the clients who were paying such a little amount expected somebody else, I guess. And I'm going to go ahead and say they expected a man. Uh, my classmates, they would try to they would try to take over haircuts. They would say, oh, don't worry, I have this one. Oh, don't wow. worry about it. We know that you don't really know this kind of hair. You don't know this haircut because my hair was long at the time. Uh, so... I just, I wasn't really treated as an equal while I was there. People would try to flirt with me. They would try to give me their numbers. They would try to say like, oh, you don't really need this license. Like, you're pretty. You're going to go ahead and figure something else out. And I was like, I am covered in shaving cream and <laughs> almond moisturizer, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure I'm allergic to, and hair. And you think that I'm not serious about this because I'm the only woman in this room? And, and the sincere irony of that being that the two owners of the school were actually women. Whoa. But for some reason, and they are barbers, and, you know, um, but everybody on that floor just, it didn't matter what I dressed in, it didn't matter how I looked, it was just like, you were a plaything. You were there just to be flirted with, talked to, and kind of ignored. And um, so then I started shaving so that I could not talk to people. It was great. I would put in my, you know, uh, you had to plug them in at the time, my headphones, and, you know, I just would shave and shave and shave, and everybody would walk away happy. No nicks, no cuts. And that's when people started taking me seriously because none of the other students really took the time to learn how to properly shave. Yeah. So once I was able to do that, that's when my classmates actually started saying, like, wow, you're, you're really good at this. I was going to ask you, because a lot of times where you're, you're the only one and you're not being treated or take it, taken seriously like that, sometimes it, it, some people can take the easy route and give up or go somewhere else. And you know what? I'm already a makeup artist. Maybe I'll go to do whatever. So what... 
I mean, obviously we know because of your ex-boyfriend and, and you said, you know, somebody <laughs> challenges you, you're going to, you know, you're going to prove them wrong. But where did you find the, the inner drive to put all that aside, knowing what you want and going after it? I think I'm just used to the verbal abuse from 16 years of ballet. Right. It's like a love language at this point. (laughs) And not to joke about that. Um, But I just, I'm so used to being told to do better, to be better, to show up better. And I, like I said, I had an excellent teacher and he was very kind and caring and, and calm and patient. And the sad part about that was as a result, he was taken advantage or taken for granted by the other students because he was so calm and patient. But if you really took the time to respect him and talk to him, he taught me more than what was on that course syllabus. So I just, I guess I just aligned myself with the other underdog. And for me, that made my schooling experience that much more valuable. And he probably dug more deeper in you than the other kids because because of that. I was one of the only students to actually learn how to work with scissors as a result. Because I came to him one day and there was a poster, you know, they have all the old salon posters. And I said, I want to do that haircut. This guy came in, he's looking for like just a buzz cut, a one all around. Do I have permission if he says, that he said it's okay, so do I have permission to give him that haircut with your guidance? And if he doesn't like it, then I'll just buzz him down to the one that he requested anyway. And he said, absolutely. And at the time, to me, it was a work of uh, art. And now in hindsight, um, it wasn't bad, but it was definitely a first scissor haircut. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had those. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I still have the picture, and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, she, she, she looks back fondly on that, uh, on that you know, haircut. Yeah, I white-walled him around his ears. I'm not that part, but that's okay. <laughs> So after school, where did you, um, did you end up in a barbershop or what happened after school? So I really thought that this was going to be a short-term thing. Um, during the wintertime, freelance work can slow down considerably. So I thought, you know, I'll find a nice upscale, either barbershop, men's salon, what have you, and really just assist or sweep or shampoo and just learn. And um, I... I ended up at one men's salon that I will not name. Um, I was hired and fired within 48 hours. Whoa. She said, and I quote, um, you shouldn't be shampooing, you should be cutting hair. To which I looked at her and said, but I don't want to. I want to learn, I want to assist. And um, I just don't think she liked how many questions I was asking, so she was trying to be polite. And that's fine. But I did end up at um, another men's salon called John Allen's and they put you through a training program. And um, they had me on the floor like within a month. And they taught me everything about scissors, you know, uh, working with feather razors, texture razors, um, different and is that hair shapes. In New York? Yeah, so they, they had, I don't know if they still do, but they had multiple locations around the country, uh-huh. but they're definitely still in New York. Um, that's where they started. So. Was barbering school in New York? Or barbering was school was in New York as well. And uh, fun fact, it, I started in October and I finished January 21st. That's how short barber school is in New York State. How many hours is that, like 500? I don't think it was more than 350 to 400. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot of my learning happened. Like I said, partially because I really took the time to get to know my teacher and ask him questions, but a lot of it happened outside of school. I mean, I tell people I'm a forever student and it's not uh, this this fake, humble gratitude moment. It's the fact that I always feel like I have to catch up with the folks who did get the 1500 hours and have to go for continued education and have to keep up with these credits because the truth is I was not afforded the same education because of the lack of schooling in New York. It's very basic, it's very past the boards, then the schools stay accredited, then they get more funding from the state, and, and be gone. Yeah. So in hindsight, would have you uh, would have you liked to do, have done cosmetology school and then pick up your barber's license? Absolutely not, no. Dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for people who go to cosmetology school. I 
I mean, for the haircutting aspect, absolutely. But in New York, that's also aesthetics. It's nails. It's um, right. It's color. It's all these things, and that requires so much time and and so much dedication and such a love for it that. I just like college when I turned to my mom and said I'm going to drop out if I go to college. The truth is if I had committed to cosmetology school, I don't think I would have seen it. So I am grateful for the fact that I did get to go to barber school. It was for a short amount of time because it did allow me to get back to work and earning an income because New York right. is not cheap and I was living by myself. But um, I do wish that there was a little bit more wealth to be spread amongst the barber community when going to school. So, and it was, you said the John, John Allen salon, right? Yeah. So, you said you learned how to use shears there, but did, yeah. but were your, like your razor and your clipper skills were already up to par, or, or did you uh, perfect in that as well? So, at John Allen's, the, at least the role that I understood, because I don't want to misrepresent it, but what I was told at the time was we didn't use clippers unless the client specifically requested it. Maybe they wanted a buzz cut, right? Uh, because doing a half all over seems pretty silly with shears. Um, but I, I was actually forced to really hone in on my scissor work. And as a result, my clipper work ended up suffering because I didn't get to do it. So then when I went to my next job, uh, a couple of years later, uh, luckily they did a nice balance of scissor and clipper work. It, at the time, that's when the undercut, you know, really like the high and tight fades and all that with the long hair on top was really popular. And um, it allowed me to get back into that and start balancing, you know, the scales when it came to clipper and shear work. Did you always have like an entrepreneurial uh, desire or did, uh, did you have a direction where you kind of knew where you wanted to go or you were just, as it comes along, you were like, bring, you know, going through it? Um, entrepreneurial. I was raised in a family of a mixture of small business and corporate, and then seeing going from corporate to small business, it really let me see how you can make a direct impact on your community and the people around you. Um, a, a story that I tell a lot of people was my father was actually working at IBM in the World Trade Center, and he was fired the year before they fell because they want to hire somebody younger for a cheaper rate, right? right? Cheaper salary. And that's when, you know, he took the year off and he actually was supposed to have an interview and take the path train in at the time that the first tower fell. And that interview got canceled. And so we ended up going on family vacation to uh, Arizona. And I remember my parents driving. They thought I was asleep. So that's when they had all their serious conversations. <laughs> and because uh, they did not want my input. And <laughs> my mom said to my dad, she turned to him and she said, this is your opportunity to do whatever you want with your life. You have been granted not one, but two opportunities to turn around and say, okay, I've done the work. I've saved up the money. Now this is my time to do what I love. And my dad's a guitarist, so he ended up opening up his own music studio. And so to me, I always thought that there's something really brilliant about that, but I, I never had this idea that I was going to run this big barber shop or, or have all of these people working for me. I think at the end of the day, I just have that freelancer spirit that's still stuck with me after all these years. And um, just everything about my career has been messy and organic and, and perfectly imperfect. So I've just kind of let the tides take me where they go. Um, but as a result, I guess it's reflected in an entrepreneur. I want to call you the hippie barber. Sorry? <laughs> the hippie barber, the right? Hippie the hippie barber. <laughs> Freelance. And just, and That's why I had to grow my hair back out. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. <laughs> Couldn't grow a beard, so I had to grow my hair. <laughs> So, yeah, so, all right, what happened, you said you left John, John Allen, you went to a new salon or a barbershop that mm -hmm. did both, you balanced your, your, your skills there, but how long were you there before you took uh, the next step in your journey? Give me one second. There's going to be some silence while I count on my fingers, and yes, I still use them to count. Um, <laughs> I have a couple if you need them. Thank you. I might, I might have to borrow them. I want to say I worked at 
five or six different places. John Allen's, I worked at two locations. They, they had two locations. So I want to say six different places in the first four years of my career. Wow. Because for me, um, you, you can have contracts and you can have a written agreement. And, and those are all very important in business. But when you shake someone's hand or when you give them your word, that is the most important thing in this world. And what would happen is I would sit down with these people and they were all wonderful people to work for, but at the end of the day, they still had a shop to run. And I understand that now as you know, a studio, right? I, I don't even have an entire shop and I can understand that perspective so much better. But they would say, hey, we support your freelance work. Just work your schedule, help us out, and we'll help you out. And every single time, I would, I would pick up three days in a row extra. I would help with the front desk. I would sell extra product. I would sell memberships. I would upsell on tickets and make so much money for these businesses and turn around one time and say, I got this great shoot and you know I haven't taken time off yet. I try to schedule around my schedule. I really, really, really want to do this on Saturday. And they would say, oh, we're sorry. We can't let you have off. Mm. And it was just an unfair... Uh, balance to me. So I, after four, four and a half years, I went and I rented a chair on the third floor with no natural light, no signage in a residential building above a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh. Yeah, it's really glamorous. Uh, <laughs> but it was right up the street from where I was working. And that last job, uh, the last job that I held, I actually tell people I got fired on purpose because they weren't giving us bathroom breaks. They weren't giving us lunch breaks. They had us in, I mean, you see, guys see the size of this booth, maybe to Ruzel, uh, maybe 300 square feet. And like the wall was right along here. Right. Three chairs with the front desk. We were banging out haircut after haircut on the half hour. I was working 12 hours a day. Those three chairs made that shop $997,000 in one year. We worked so hard. And when the owner, again, right, because I'm stubborn, came in and said that we weren't working hard enough and that we were lazy and ungrateful for the opportunity to work there, I started documenting everything. And I sent an email saying that I wasn't quitting, but that I couldn't work Sundays because my health wouldn't allow it because of the lack of breaks and my body was breaking down. And they wrote back, and I wrote all these things saying, you're not giving us restroom breaks, you're not giving us lunch breaks, therefore I can't work this extra 12 hour shift. And they wrote back saying, you know, we love you, you're great, we just don't think it's a good fit. And I submitted that to unemployment. Oh, nice. And luckily at the time in New York, there's actually a program that um, basically give a man to fish versus feed a man to uh, teach a man to fish. And, um, what they do is they give you your unemployment, but they also put you in a program to build your own business. They give you free classes, workshops, they help you build a business Stop plan. It. And they let you earn an income along with collecting your unemployment as long as that income is from the business that you're building. Wow. So because of that pivotal moment in my career, I was able to fund what is now Beyond the Beard for the first year while I built it. And while I navigated this myopic idea that just because I wasn't seen on the ground floor, that meant I couldn't build a business. I, I had to learn everything about Yelp and Google and reviews and building a website, which luckily I had done many years prior for my nonprofit, Her Chair, His Hair. I had uh, built a website, so I felt comfortable to do that for Beyond the Beard and really give people a reason to trust me and not feel like they are going to greet an axe murderer on the third floor above the Dunkin' Donuts. Are you still in that same space now? No, no, I am not. I um, I moved, that was on 57th and 8th Avenue, so that was Columbus Circle. It was an excellent location. It built my business. It, it really helped me get a clientele. And then unfortunately, they decided with three weeks notice to turn it into a Pilates studio. Nice. Yeah, because that's what the Upper West Side needs more of, is right. Pilates studios. Uh, so I ended up moving to the East Side, um, right along Lexington Avenue. Mm -hmm. And I was in a really wonderful private room. Um, I worked in a hair salon uh, with a man named Arthur. 
and he was gracious and kind, and I still cut his hair to this day. But unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, he ended up shutting down at, shortly after we reopened. And that's how I ended up where I am today, in a salon suite amongst like-minded individuals who are amazing, and they all specialize in their own thing. And my nails, my lashes, my hair is all because of them. So it's really nice to have that community after so many months. And if hopefully we're gonna we're gonna uh, post those nails, but her <laughs> nails are bad. Yeah, those <laughs> are really cool. Badass. Thank you. Uh, and, and you said they freehanded it. Yeah, so her name is Maki. She's a wonderful uh, manicurist. She's actually from Japan, and she is quiet, but she is a killer. She can paint anything. She hand-painted the Norm logo on one hand, and then she hand-painted the Schedulicity logo on the other hand. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. We, yeah. we definitely got to post a picture of him. So, okay, so her chair, his hair, that started, like, before you were this entrepreneur? Yeah, it actually started at my second job, and it started because one day a guy walked in. He was a regular for another barber, and unfortunately that barber wasn't very reliable. He would show up very late. Sometimes he wouldn't show up at all, and ironically, he had the biggest following. <laughs> and um, good-looking guy, nice enough guy. Uh, did not look too thrilled that I was going to be cutting his hair, but I didn't really blame him, right? He booked with somebody else, and he wanted a skin fade. Now, mind you, I was at John Allen's where I wasn't doing clipper work, but I was like, you know what? I am too type A to let anybody walk out of here with a bad haircut, so we're just going to go with that and hope and a prayer and call it a day. And um, I literally made the zero line for his haircut, and I could just feel the anger. It, it really bordered, and I don't take things personally anymore, but at the time I obviously did. It felt like hatred, like sincere disdain for my being there. And I could just feel it coming off of him. He was staring at me through the mirror, and he wouldn't even let me finish the zero line. And he turned around and he said, you know, I don't want a woman cutting my hair. And I was just in shock and disbelief. I was definitely embarrassed. Um, I was taken off guard. And, sure. you know, so my boss and my coworkers, they stepped in and they said, okay, you know, Jimmy here is going to finish your haircut. And Jimmy just looked at me like, this is so messed up. And, you know, Xavier, the owner, he took me outside and he said, I'm really sorry about that, but unfortunately you're going to deal with people like that sometimes. And he said, so if you need to take a walk, if you need to scream into the abyss, whatever you need to do, do it. But come back and just ignore that guy. And um, Congrats to him, by the way. I yeah. mean, that, that's a great leadership uh, Yeah, uh, he, was, he was an excellent boss to work for. Like, even when I left, we left it on really good terms. Like, I stop into his shop, I say hello. You know, he's a really, really nice guy. Uh, similar to how Jerry is with Schedulicity, he's just always giving. He took us out to dinners. He always made sure that we were taking breaks and, and the exact opposite of my last job, basically. <laughs> and um, instead, I went home because I lived close by. I picked up my laptop and we had a coffee bar, you know, like a little hangout area, kind of what's behind you guys, right? Some, some stools and outlets and whatnot. And I picked up a coffee and I came back and I started coming up with names for what at the time would become an Instagram page and a website, a blog, to promote women in the industry. And I wrote the, uh, I, I think it's still on the website if I'm being honest with you, but what would be the first intro post to describing what the mission was and, and, and hopefully showing people that women were barbers, you know? Um, the, the first couple lines go long, you know, close your eyes, imagine the clippers buzzing, people talking, your hair is being cut, you can smell the aftershave, and the barber standing behind you. Who is it? He could be black, he could be Dominican, he could be Italian, he could be older or younger. But at the end of the day, you're still assuming it's a man. And I really think a lot of that is steeped in tradition. It's steeped in the fact that there has been, you know, this separation effectively between salons and barbershops. But the truth is women have been in the barber industry since, I think you mentioned it, you know, uh, in my article, I think since the 1920s. 
during uh, World War, uh, at least two, I'm not sure about one, women stepped up and actually started working in the barbershops because men were deployed and children still needed their haircuts, el the elderly needed their haircuts, people who were exempt needed their haircuts. So women have been in the barbershop longer than social media has been around. And all I really wanted to do was create a platform that showed women not sitting pretty in the chair, which they look beautiful, not from behind. I wanted to show them and their work so that people could undeniably say, wow, that's so-and-so, and she did that haircut. And, and that's how it started um, eight years ago. This past eight years, have, have the industry evolved to where you're seeing less of the stigma or people treating you differently, or is it still pretty much uh, a boy's kind of world? This industry is capable of growing and it's capable of change, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it. Uh, whether it's tools, whether it's how you cut hair, whether it's who you hire to represent a brand. Um, I think that this industry has evolved significantly, and that's actually why I felt comfortable during COVID, taking, after COVID, I guess, taking a hiatus from her chair, his hair, because I needed to focus on beyond the beard and paying my bills and being able to pay my parents' bills. <laughs> and I felt that level of comfort because this industry has shown that it's capable of growth and change and that they don't need some loudmouth New Yorker standing behind, you know, uh, a bunch of men saying, hey, where the, where's the women? <laughs> where are the ladies at? I do think that there is still room for growth and there is room for change. I do think that I would like to see even more women at different barber shows and events, not only uh, judging, but educating. I think it's great to already see that happening, but I can't help but feel that twinge when I look at a flyer and say, there's no women. Um, but I don't think that's because of a bias anymore. I think that's just because of networking and the fact that we have a lot of catching up to do and a lot of rooms to be in and a lot of people saying our names when we're not in those rooms. And I think that's starting to happen. So I think we'll continue to see that representation change. Well, on that, I mean, big shout out to like Lee, because I mean, yeah. this, this show is like well represented by women, you know, with you and Sophie and Patty and, 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 and he's got a whole like female team here, right? There are so many women, not only uh, working this show, but in attendance. I think Lee said something like more than half, like 60%, something crazy right. where uh, women uh, buying tickets. And when we met two years ago in New York, I made the joke that there were no women there until Maddie Conrad showed up and then all the women showed up. I don't know how that worked, but it did. But but yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's a, this feels more like a hair show as far as the women that are there, where when we were in New York two years ago, it was very like, oh, you definitely know you're at a barber event. Like, I don't know if you were to just take a video camera around here, if it would feel and look like a barber. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand what you're saying because it's not a sausage fest. <laughs> well, you went there. Somebody had to say it. I'm still the loudmouth New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of factors to why this doesn't feel like your typical barber event. It's open, it's spacious, it's well lit, it's well run. Lee has an entire professional production team. No, he is not paying me to say any of this. I have to give him 100% credit. Lee has really managed to take what his mission was, which is to fuse and, and bring together barbering and beauty and, and salon work and make everyone feel comfortable. Because for me, at least, I can't speak for everybody else, going to some of these events has been really lovely once I know people. But if you don't know people, it's actually very overwhelming and it can really make you question if you actually have a place in this industry. Um, because there is a lot of that hard energy, a lot of that strong energy. And, um, you know, you really have to feel comfortable and capable and like you can represent yourself in a room and walk up to random people and introduce yourself. Whereas a space like this, it's encouraged. It's, you know, yeah. the, the music isn't too loud. I know there's a lot of, you know, noise in general, but that's people talking. That's right. not blasting music where you can't hear each other. And I well, think that's really important. I, I, like, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to give a shout out to Salon Evo too, Barbara Evo for uh, being brave enough to put those same women on the cover of a barber magazine, it's right? That's fantastic. Isn't it? That's, that's amazing. And, and giving them credit where credit is due. Yeah. They actually um, gave me the opportunity to write 
my first article that was published called Don't Call Me Lady, um, which, you know, is still up for debate. I never claim to speak for every single woman in this industry, although sometimes that's placed on me and I don't feel comfortable with that because everybody is entitled to their own opinion. But for me, in my experience, you know, being called a lady or a female barber was something I really wanted to write about. And they didn't censor it. They didn't say, oh, you know, can you write about how to do a perfect beard trim? They said, okay, so let's talk about it. It's funny because uh, before we started the podcast, I was poking at her and asking if I can call her lady. And then she slapped me. <laughs> Dude, you're one brave, brave man. Well, now the side of my face hurts. <laughs> Why do you think I got these nails? It wasn't to promote schedulicity. <laughs> So, so on that note, dude, how long have you been with Schedulicity? Oh, my goodness. I have been with Schedulicity, I think, for like three and a half, four years now. Right. Um, it feels like forever. That's the thing is um, when I left the last booking platform I was with, I was very unhappy. I really felt unheard. Um because towards the end, I actually made the least amount of money in my career in that month. And I was trying to reach out to them about a lot of issues like with the app booking, because you're trying to train your clients, right? To, to sure. use online scheduling. And there was just nobody getting back to me. And the worst part was I, I knew these folks outside of just using the booking platform. And I started doing my research. I found Schedulicity. I found a bunch of other booking platforms. And Schedulicity, from the first moment, they're rock stars, you know, they're their team that answers your questions. They sent me all these articles, they offered to help integrate everything. They said, if you need any help, you can call this phone number, which unlike most millennials, I am not averse to talking on the phone, so I thought that was amazing. And I just felt at home. And so for me, I, I don't know if it's been three, four years, but it's just been, it's been blissful. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. funny, like, uh, I think I've talked to, Tony and I definitely talked about it privately, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the podcast, but, like, Schedulicity's ruined me in, a, in some ways because they're, like, they call them the rock stars, but their customer service department is so good that when I have to deal with other companies and, and, and their customer service isn't that good, I know that they're not, I have the feeling that they're not committed to the user, mm -hmm. right? And that's always the, I take it personal almost, you know, because I know how good it can be. And their gift game is on point. Their gift game is yeah. on point. Yeah, I communicate with the rock stars solely through gifts, gifs, however you say it. I say gifs. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, so they're amazing. I they, I agree with you. I, I mean, they are amazing, and we mentioned it. We, we've mentioned it on the podcast a few times. I mean, when it came to COVID, uh, they were the only company that I know that stepped up for our business and not their own. You know, they they literally turned off all payment for nine months. I mean, I can't imagine the millions of dollars that it cost them as a company. Yeah, and 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 I'm just, I, I'm beyond. I'm I'm just blown away by the the, the generosity yeah. that they always 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 show our industry. Yeah, um, they care way more about our business than even we do at times. You know, it, it, it's crazy. From like, I mean, didn't you win like? Didn't you get one of the five thousand dollar grants? I did. So I was already using Schedulicity. I'd say for at least at least a year, probably by that point. And I actually reached out to Lee Resnick, and I said, you know, I have my next Her Chair, His Hair fundraiser. I'd really like to have Schedulicity as a, uh, as a sponsor. And he said, yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. But they're actually doing this online contest called Schedulicity Cares, um, and you use them, so I would love for you to make a video. Um, you know, no guarantees or anything that you'll win. I said, I don't even win bingo. I don't expect anything. <laughs> my, my granny Franny right. has beat me at bingo more times than I can count, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I did it just to support because I liked them so much. Right. No expectations whatsoever. And I showed up at BarberCon New York where we met. And um, I was busy stuffing a burger and milkshake into my face when Jerry Nisuno, the CEO, walked up to me, starts shaking my hand, talking to me and saying, hey, you're going to be at the main stage, right? Like we want all Schedulicity users there for a very important announcement. He's sneaky. So sneaky. And I thought, okay, that's cool. They want to get bodies to the main stage. They want people who like Schedulicity there. And didn't think anything of it other than the fact that I greeted the CEO of the company with a burger in my mouth. Um, so I walked over to the main stage, and we were all there. And I 
think it was DC who announced it, and um, the expletives that left my mouth when I realized <laughs> I won. And they should have had you mic'd. And I, I well, uh, I got on stage, and they were like, "Say something," and um, well. I said something, all right? Like, bleep, and then bleep, I apologized. Bleep, bleep. <laughs> and then I apologized. And then I said it again. Um, I was in disbelief. So, yeah, I I really never expected that um, to happen. I actually still have that money collecting interest because I want to make good on what I said I would use that money for. And, you know, COVID obviously slowed things down, stopped things. So it's in its own bank account. Uh, so that when I do go to hire my first uh, female employee, that um, I can use that money to help her with her education, with any tools, um, with any anything, promotion, marketing, so that she feels fully supported. Because that's why I told them I would use the grant for. So bravo! It's sitting there waiting. I mean, so, bravo on integrity, bravo on everything. So well, I was going to. That's my. It leads up to the next question: Is what? So all the things that you went through and, and all the things that you had to kind of overcome, what advice would you give a young, you know, woman that's entering the barbering school that's going to maybe face some of the same things that you face? What, what advice would you give her? I would say stop trying to change people's minds who are committed to misunderstanding you. Because it doesn't matter what they think. It's not personal. None of this is personal. How you view me, how you view my career, my motives, my intentions, it all comes from the lens of your experiences. So all I can do is continue on, and all that they can do is continue on with the knowledge that they're in this for whatever their reason is and that that will never change because of somebody else's opinion or disdain or disinterest uh, for their hopes and aspirations. Oh, that's beautiful. When you were, as you're saying it, those people become distractions to where you want to go. If you focus on what they're saying or what they're thinking, you're distracted to where you want to be. I love that. Thank you. I love that. And once again, your conversation isn't for everybody. Your conversation is for somebody. Now go find your somebody's. Yeah, that's I'm not. I'm her. not for everyone. Her chair, his hair was not for everyone, and that's okay. Beyond the beard is certainly not for everyone, uh, but it's for me, and it's for the people who appreciate it and enjoy it. And you know, that's in the most positively selfish way that's all that matters <laughs> I get that I, I think we're also concerned about pleasing other people and the truth is is you have to be happy with your life and what you produce and what you do and the only person you have to answer to at the end of it all whether it has to do with your integrity whether it has to do with the decisions you've made or the career choices you've made is yourself and that's it maybe a higher being if that's your belief as well is between you and yourself and, and that's it so yeah it during COVID I had a lot of time to really think about that and really commit myself to that because it's something I always knew but again I'm stubborn so I didn't want the person who told me to be right <laughs> fair enough but now I'm committed to it because Hats it off. gives you peace <laughs> yeah that's awesome thank you that is so awesome I mean I you are truly and not just an inspiration to women which I mean you truly are I mean, you're an inspiration to all barbers. Thank you. That, I don't take that lightly because um, there are so many barbers here, Patty included, right, Queen of the South, who have overcome, I think, so much more or at least other things different than I have. And to me, they're inspirational to me. So it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where they're all facing each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where it's like, no, you inspire me. No, you inspire me. <laughs> and I think that's the most important part is keeping that kind of positivity uh, and that kind of um, appreciation intact because that's what keeps an industry moving and improving. Did not mean to rhyme, but you know, it, it really keeps the gears going so that we don't stay stagnant because the moment we stagnate, you know. Yeah. 
what kind of creatives are we? <laughs> yeah, you sink, right? You stop swimming, you sink. I, I think the beauty is is that uh, you know there's competition and, and inspiration, right? Uh -huh. like, like if we can live in that, you know, we're, we're, we've done pretty good. Dude, you're doing amazing things for the industry. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of you kind of brushed on it earlier, like. You know, we are the hair industry, right? It's not about barbers or cosmetologists or whatever. You know, we are the hair industry. And, and, and I just think we're in a very, I think we're in a beautiful place to kind of watch these two worlds that I think even five or ten years ago were so separated. And now and now we're, we're able to come together. And that's, you know, whether it's to, you know, respect women in the industry or, or, or whatever. You know, it's just, it's just really nice. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of people talk about tradition and how it's important. And I don't disagree. But I think the thing about traditions is that they're constantly evolving. And the same traditions would not hold up today that would 100 years ago. And that's the important part, is honoring what's come before you, but having the flexibility and the knowledge to know that it can always improve. Boom. I love it. <laughs> so how can our listeners find out and just keep track of all the wonderful things you're doing and just being able to fall in love with you like we have? too. Uh, well, I have a lot of Instagram pages and I barely use them because I'm terrible at social media, but um, you can find me on Instagram. I have at Beyond the Beard uh, for my, my shop and my studio at Her Chair, His Hair. Uh, like I said, I've been on a brief hiatus, but there's still so much wonderful content on there. There are incredible women to follow and um, I do hope to soon get back to that and really be able to give it uh, my energy and my love again. And if nothing else, I also have a personal page. It's at Cassandra, C-A-S-S -S dot O-N-D-R-A. There is a plethora of puppy photos um, <laughs> and a lot of silly quotes and memes because that's my love language. And if you send me a DM on any of those uh, or if you, I don't know, send me cupcakes to the shop, then you will be my best friend forever. That All is right. hilarious. Sounds we're, we're like sending, cupcakes. We're sending cupcakes, yep. exactly. <laughs> They're bite-sized cakes. Who uh, doesn't love them? Right. <laughs> They're uh. made like a cup, so you can consume them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so silly. Cass, dude, uh, what, just thank you for the hair industry as a whole. Thank you for from, from the barber um, um, industry. I just, I'm fascinated by you. You know, yeah. I, I really am, and, and I think you're doing things for the right reasons. You know, even if it doesn't feel that way all the time, I, I, think, I think your heart's in the right place. Thank you. I really... I appreciate that. Truly. <laughs> well, you are being seen and you are being heard here. So, uh, you know, thank you very much. And thank you guys for having me. This is such an honor. Like, uh, I listen to all your podcasts. So, uh, this is amazing. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, giving us the time. I know you're busy today. So, you know, thank you for giving us a little bit of time. And thank you for hanging out with us. And thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends, give us a rating, and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.